0: I want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today as you hear this message we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged if you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction it would really help us out if you would subscribe rate review and share this online you can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially you can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com give we hope you enjoy this message are you all ready for today Take your Bibles out. If you don't have a Bible, you can turn your phone on. If you don't have a phone, iPad or anything, look up here on the screen. Today is our kickoff Sunday. I have one more service today we're looking forward to, and Monday night, tomorrow. It's just going to be an exciting weekend. Go to Matthew chapter 5. And I was just praying and seeking God. What are we going to teach? What is something that I, is, is, is the direction that you want us to go? For those that are new to this faith, for those that are new to following Jesus, I'm going to take you to a portion of Scripture that is the most famous sermon ever preached. This is Jesus' notorious Sermon on the Mount, okay? And it is something that you have to pause and think on. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to unpack it for us because everything you read in Scripture is mystery. And it can only be revealed if the Holy Spirit would reveal it to you. And that's what we're all here for. We want Him to show us His way. We want us to show us His best. So I'm going to start reading. It's the beginning part of the Beatitudes, it's what it's called. And it says this, And seeing the multitudes, He went up from the mountain, and when He was seated, His disciples came to Him. Then He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Listen closely, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, my eyes are bad, I'm going to go over here, you ready? Blessed, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's keep going. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And Holy Spirit, today I pray that this just strikes a chord in each person's heart who hears this message. Not because I spoke it or it was spoke at Cowboy Junction. I pray that this would ring in every heart anywhere, through any pastor, any teacher, any friend, who would stop and pause and remember these words that you spoke. And I am honored to get to go and repeat what you said, Jesus. And now my prayer is that the same way that it came forth when you spoke it, I pray that it would speak to us in the same way today. Anoint me. Use me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. These are the Beatitudes. And if you've never read them before, this is a really cool part for us to stop and pause. Now, let me just tell you, the first time I ever read them, I thought to myself, oh, heck no. I mean, isn't the body of Christ, isn't isn't the kingdom of God supposed to go take it by force? I mean, isn't it supposed to be, this is supposed to be a movement. It says that Jesus is, Jesus will govern nations. I, I love that part. I mean, come on, let's empty the swamp. This is a part where Jesus is supposed to come shake the tree. I mean, there's going to be some things where, aren't there supposed to be some pruning taking place? I mean, let's, let's start lopping off some, some unnecessary uh, branches. Let's, let's get serious. And this was my attitude as a young, zealous, uh, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid learning how to follow Jesus. So then you sit down and you begin to actually read the Bible. And all the things that I've heard from pastors, not that I've read for myself, but just because they said it and I agreed to it, and I I thought, surely we're supposed to go, we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be. All of a sudden you sit down and you read Jesus' message, Jesus' sermon. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is supposed to be something that right now, this is the part where he starts telling us how to go get it. And it goes completely opposite of the way that I think his message is going to go. In fact, as I've reread this and reread this, let me just kind of tell you from my standpoint, reading the Beatitudes and Jesus' message about the kingdom and what it's like to be blessed, my idea of being blessed is, is I'm going to have everything I need to go do what it is God's called me to do. And that's very true. I've seen God do that. As I've stepped out to obey God, he has supplied me on the way. I've never, ever had what I needed to have at the time. But as I went, God supplied. As long as I got my ass moving, then I would eventually, that's funny. If if, if some of you would just get your ass moving as you go, God would be taking, that's that's just, it's going to be funnier in the second crowd. Yeah, yeah. And I have found God supplying as I went. But this is different. How do you read this? I'm be honest that when I first started reading this many years ago, the Beatitudes, you're blessed when, I took it as when you experience this, consider it blessing. And I think a lot of us would read it like that. But here's the problem with it. As I've grown older and I have sat down and have had more time to just pause and allow Holy Spirit to unveil it for me, One of the things I know about my father is we don't have a works for faith. Now, I need you to pay attention real quick, okay? This is very important. For everybody in the room that you've been taught at some form or fashion growing up, God loves you more if, okay? You have an if faith. And the if faith is if you do this, then God's going to love you. Can I stop and pause and tell you that I had to throw that out of my heart and mind because God could not love you more than He loves you right now. Right. If you're in this room and you're, you're you're like, I just came off the streets. I saw y'all were having service. I thought it'd be cool to come back. I wanted to be back here in June, but you guys weren't having service. I hear you are having service again. I'm gonna give you a shot. I pray that you wouldn't give this church a shot. I think you just stop and pause and realize that if you have this works for faith, you're missing the heart of God. And to give you an example. Is there ever been a father who ever turned to their children and said, if you take out the trash, I'll be your dad? Right. Come on, let's think about this. If you get the groceries out of the car for your mom, your mom will love you. Now, that may be true, but it hasn't changed the fact that mom loves you whether you help her with the groceries or not. Can, I, can you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to amen. I just want you to, because some of you grew up, well, that if, you, if you do one thing wrong, you've lost your relationship with God. Right. When I was growing up, I was terrified of going to hell because I always had lustful thoughts in my head. When I was a kid. It was gone. Heather's here now. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll, aren't I? man? Is Heather here? Good, she's not. Okay, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> At some point, you might have been taught you just do one thing wrong. And God doesn't love you anymore. You do one thing wrong and you're going to where the boogeyman's gonna get you. You do one thing wrong. And what if I turned to you right now and said, Is that how you would treat your children? And yes, children go through times, but you never quit loving them. And what always pulls a child back to obedience? Love. To sit down and realize, Mom and dad are the best things that ever happened to me. They're irresistible love. They're unquenchable love. They don't let me get away with things, but through all my rebellion, they're there to love me. That caused me to want to follow my parents more than whipping my butt every day, but whipping my butt changed a lot of attitude, okay? (laughs) And my love, the love that my parents had for me caused me to want to be like my parents. Thus, the reason I bring this up is that that's how we get closer to God when you realize how much you love him. And so the whole reading of the Beatitudes of when this happens, then you're blessed. Is this works for blessed? Let this happen, then you'll be blessed. Let this happen, then you'll be blessed. And I want to just kind of change our attitude a little bit about towards this because of a certain word that keeps coming up. In fact, let's start all over. You ready? Let's go back and reread this. And it says this, and seeing the multitudes, he went up to the mountain, and when he was seated... His disciples came to Him. Then He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, what did He say? Very first thing, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What word continually popped up when we read it a minute ago? Blessed. Blessed. Is there anybody in the room that would like to be blessed? Me too. I would. I to walk in the blessings of God, to walk in the favor of God, to know that this is God doing a great thing in me. is a sweet, sweet thing. Blessed, blessed. I want to walk in the blessings of God. But let me just ask you this. Are you blessed when these things happen to you, or are you just blessed? And let me give you an example. Today, I brought to you what I'm calling the sweet spot. And the sweet spot is a Fun little illustration that I like doing. I was playing golf with Brady one day, and I just crushed it. Just, I teed off and crushed it, and I just told him, man, I hit the sweet spot. And you just saw the ball fly through the air and then take a hard right, but I crushed it. I crushed <laughs> it. And it just hit that sweet spot on the club face. And then as we begin to walk to the ball and begin to look for my ball, I, I just began to think, is there a sweet spot in life? I began to think if there's a sweet spot in marriage. I began to think about is there a sweet spot following Jesus. And this has everything to do with the sweet spot. And today i want to start off and, and let you know this blessed part. Let's go, let's go back to that scripture. Uh, blessed. You did good. Here we go. Go to blessed. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Highly favored would be one of the definitions. Highly favored. Blessed means to be heading towards the direction that you should be going. That, that, that's a sweet spot. That's truly what it means to be blessed. To be blessed. But in it all, Jesus is saying this. And I want you to get this. You're blessed when you're in me. Right. Okay, let's forget everything else. Today we're going to talk about a lot of things. But the blessed he's referring to, and this is the part I had to get to in my life. Ty, you're not blessed when you go through all this stuff. You're blessed... Because you found the sweet spot and his name is Jesus. Okay, and that may sound corny, but I don't want you to miss this. For all my friends that you're really teetering on accepting Christ as your Savior, making him the Lord of your life, and following him, knowing what he has for your life, and following him and trusting him, but still having a lot of questions about how life is and what's going on in this crazy world we're living in. I want to stop and let you know that when we are in Christ, that's when you're truly blessed. When we're allowing Christ in us, that's when we're really blessed. And it changes the whole mentality of works, that when this happens, if you do it right, then you're in Jesus. That's works. And that's not how Jesus works. Are you standing on the sweet spot? And if you are, if you know Jesus, you're blessed. Now, I'm going to keep referring back to this sweet spot, okay? And you can either look at what we're about to read as something that when this happens, we need to get get there. Or you can listen to every one of these little nuggets of gold that Jesus gives us and read it from the standpoint. But if you're in Jesus, that's when you're blessed, even if you go through these difficult times. Watch what Jesus says. Well, the first things, he says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Recently, we lost a lot of people in the last year. There's a lot of mourning. Some have lost jobs. Some have, have experienced um, a year like no other year. And to mourn, to mourn is one of those difficult times in life. But you're either going to look at mourning as, I am mourning and actually getting closer to God. Right. Right. Or, I am in Christ Jesus. And, here's my point. When you've lost everything most dear to you, you can, you can actually find comfort because you know that I'm truly blessed because I'm in Jesus. I might have lost some friends this year. I might have lost some relationships. I might have lost a job. I might have lost, but I could lose everything and be comforted knowing that I'm truly blessed because my life is on Jesus. And instead of looking at it from the standpoint of we're going to get through this and, and no, no, we're in the middle of the faith we need to know that I am comforted even at a time that I am mourning because I found the sweet spot as I stand in Christ Jesus for a lot of people this can be confusing but it can also be a moment that your relationship grows in some of the darkest times you ever go through right. because you're in Christ Jesus and not trying to win Christ Jesus through your mourning yeah I've experienced this a lot in my life to where it it, all around me, it's like the season I was in, there was some pruning going on, there was some pullback, there was some belt tightening years. But through it all, I knew that this was for my good because I am in Christ Jesus. I've lost people in my life, but I knew I'd see them again because we I saw them live for Jesus, and this world is only a temporary world because they built their life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And I may mourn because I miss them now, but I am comforted to know that they taught me something that I could never put a price tag on as I watched them live for Jesus. Even if we're mourning being in Christ Jesus, we know that something good is going to come out of this. What does Jesus say next? He says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And this is, this is one of the things that I've noticed lately that, that we tend to sometimes think that if I'm meek, then God's going to bless me. That's not it at all. What if I told you that because I know Jesus, meekness can come out of me, even when we have rude people in this world. For all the business owners that are in this room and you have to deal with people, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if you could make what you make, sell what you sell, do what you do, and not have to deal with people? Let me introduce you to pastoring. It's the greatest job in the world. You know who screws it up? People. It's like I told the Lord a million times, we could have a whole lot more fun, Lord, if there wasn't people involved. But that's not how it works, is it? For everybody in the world that you're working on your meekness, you're working on your meekness, you're working on your meekness. You're working on your gentleness, your self-control. You don't work on it. You have it. Because you're in the sweet spot. And the difference is, is where are you? And when we are blessed in our relationship with Jesus, this is where I stand. I grow to know Jesus every day. Meekness comes out of us. Recently, we have a lot of people that have a lot to say about what's going on in the world. And one of the things that has been a negative is being a sheep. The first time I saw it on Instagram, I thought, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. We are called to be sheep. And the reason we're called to be sheep is for this reason. Sheep know the shepherd, but lions get shot. (laughs) So for everybody, it's like, We need to be the church, and we need to go be lions. Shut up. God didn't call you to be lions. He called to work through you. He called to be through you. He called you to be the light. He called you to be the sheep. And you know what being the sheep means? It means you know the shepherd's voice. And there's this beautiful strength that comes from recognizing that when I am in Christ, the light The life and the meekness comes out of me to be the strength that God has called me to be, even in turbulent times. But it's not because I have an inner strength in me. It could be because I have died to my strength so that I can be weak. So that when I stand in Christ, he can be everything else. I think that's why people have gotten really frustrated with Heather and I this year. It's because we haven't really exactly rose up to be voices against whomever. And when we, they turn and go, why don't you be more pastoral? Well, spell it first. <laughs> what, and, and what does it mean second? And what well, do you need to be? say something? You need to come against. I mean, let me make you guys a promise. The moment God tells me what to say, you don't have to worry. I'll say it. But the dumbest thing I could ever do is to say something as I step out of my sweet spot. To do it because it's the political thing to do. Every day I get up, like I'm asking you to do, and quit trying to be meek, and get in your sweet spot. Come on. Your one and only thing today and every day is to be with Jesus. And then you will know exactly what to say, when to say it, And even those who don't like what you say will be able to hear what you say because it's not you knocking on the door of their heart. It's the creator of their heart knocking on the door of their heart. Did you ever hear the story about the man who was driving down the road? He passed a biker bar in Arizona, and the Holy Spirit tapped on his heart and said, I want you to go inside that biker bar. I want you to walk in and say, there's somebody in this room that needs Jesus, and you've been asking for somebody to finally just say that in your life. And the guy was like, I am not going to drive into the biker bar and say that. God, are you kidding me? I'm not going to say it. And he drove for miles and miles, and and just the Holy Spirit knocked on his heart, knocked on his heart, knocked on his heart. And the guy turned around, finally turned around. He knew he couldn't go any further without doing this thing. Walked into the biker bar, Harleys everywhere, walked inside, tattoos and hair everywhere okay (laughs) leather tattoos and hair walks inside scared and says there's somebody in this room that you need jesus and all everybody just turns He goes, there's somebody in this room that needs jesus and the lord wanted me to let you know that he loves you and he hears your prayers and that's why i'm here because he heard you i'm here god sent me and everybody started laughing except it got real quiet when one of the guys came off a bar stool and walked right up to him. And he said, how did you know that's what I prayed no more than 30 minutes ago? The guy led the whole biker bar to Jesus, okay? Yeah, so cool, okay? You ready for the flip side? A week later, the guy's driving along, passes by another biker bar, and says, well, I'm gonna do it again. Turns around and walks inside. He says, I'm here to let everybody know you need Jesus. And for anybody that's been praying, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And the man got whipped. And he got back in his car bloody, beat up, and bruised. And he's driving off, and he says, I don't understand. Why did it not happen? And Jesus said, because I didn't tell you to go into that biker bar. <laughs> now, that story's been told to me ever since I was a little boy. And I, don't, I can't prove it's true, but it's a good story, okay? And it's always taught me ever since I was a little boy. Meekness isn't you being someone that God hasn't called you to be. Don't think you're doing anybody any favors by being bold. You truly know what to say when you are in your sweet spot. And that sweet spot is we are blessed because we know Jesus. And meekness saying the right thing at the right time. To the right person. Meekness to our children. Dads, let me just turn to you and say, I know you're tough. And I know you're rough. And I know the world's been hard on you. But are we going to teach our children how to be tough? Or are we going to teach our children how to follow Jesus? Come on. And they need to see your meekness. They need to see you step in and be the sheep that follows the shepherd. Not a lion that's going to get shot. Next thing Jesus says is this. He says, blessed. We all know what blessed means. We're living in the sweet spot. We're blessed because we know Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. I was thinking about this driving down. Here's my point. Righteous hunger leads to righteous meals. Are you hungry? Because when you truly get hungry for the things of God, When you truly get a diet for the things of God, when you truly hunger and thirst for the things of God, get ready because righteous meals are on the way. The reason why God doesn't talk a lot of times is because maybe for a lot of you, you're trying to read your Bible. Maybe you should stop and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you His words. It's not a earn God's love by reading your Bible. And a lot of you have been taught that. If you don't read your Bible, God won't love you. I'm going to say something that may shake a lot of people. But I just want you to hear me. There was a season, a small season in my life, I was reading my Bible for the wrong reasons. And I was a good person. And God told me to stop. Stop. Be specific. Stop reading your Bible. There's a lot of people that would get mad about what I just said, but I want you to hear what I, uh, how this ends. Why would God allow me to continue reading life if life was never going to be deposited in my life? And we rebuilt our relationship. Instead of it being a works for God's love, it became a God loves me. I, am, I make my father proud. When God hears the word Tybine, it puts a smile to his face. He remembered the day that he stitched me together. He remembered the day he breathed the first life into my lungs. He remembers the day that I accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. And we went back to the very beginning, and it was one of the sweetest encounters of my entire life. And then you know what happened? Once we got the relationship back to where it was supposed to be, I could not help but open my Bible and it come alive. Because it was, wasn't reading for God. It was reading with God. So good. When you get hungry for the things of God. When you get in the sweet spot of seeing him as your father. And not a deity that is so far off. When you get hungry, you get ready. Ready. Because that's when God starts feeding you. And it comes alive like you've never experienced before. And he says, you're blessed when you let me feed you, not when you try to feed yourself. I, I think this is good stuff. I mean, I've all week's been thinking about this, been praying. Here's the next one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How do we give people Grace. How do we give people who wrong us grace? You do it by realizing the grace and mercy that Jesus gave you. It's the easiest and best way. When you realize how much you've been forgiven, it's easier to forgive others. When we stand out here, we measure whether people deserve it or not. But when we sit and get in our sweet spot and we realize just how much mercy has been given to us, It's easier to give people mercy. Don't forget this. Mercy seeds bring forth mercy harvest. So when we're able to give it, you're going to be able to get it as well. There's all kinds of grace for those who give grace. But the hardest place to give good grace is when you're measuring whether people deserve it or not. But you can forgive the most unforgivable when you realize how much Jesus has forgiven the most unforgiving. Real quick. Recently, Heather and I had this great conversation about one of my pastors calling me. We were talking about how a lot of the conversations we're getting, people calling us saying, how can you pray for this political leader? How can you pray for this political leader? How can you believe for God to lead this political leader? And I, I just me and this pastor, my pastor had this great conversation that it's when we know Jesus, truly, truly know Jesus, we're able to believe the best for anybody. I I don't have the ability to like anyone when I stand outside of Jesus and it fights my head and it fights my heart and I get angry and I get confused. But every time I'm in Jesus, it is amazing how I'm able to love and hope the best and believe the best, God's kingdom, for everybody I see. Yeah. And it is a wonderful place to live. It really is. He took me back. Remember when they were yanking Jesus' beard out and slapping him in the face and spitting on him and whipping him. Remember Jesus had the ability To call angels from heaven and destroy the earth. And do you remember the words that Jesus said to his father? Father, forgive them. Because they know not what they do. When you're standing in your sweet spot, it is amazing how you're able to pray over people who have no clue what they're doing. Past their ignorance. Past their wrongness. And straight to the person that they are. And to believe God's best. God speak to them. And in spite of all the things that they're doing. In spite of all the decisions they're making. Father I pray that you would speak directly to their heart. Past the influences in their life. And the political moves. Past past the hurts and the pains. There's a person in there God. And I pray that you right now would extend to them mercy the way that you extended me mercy and speak to them. They know your voice because you made them. Father, speak to them. And it's amazing how you're able to believe for others and extend mercy when you're standing in the sweet spot. Here's what else Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Here's here's my point on this. Purity. The innocent see God in everything. Can I say something real quick? Let me talk to all the young people in the room. Don't you ever let them talk you out of the innocence in your life. Don't you ever, ever let them convince you that you need to think different, act different, Become more like the world. You need to get tougher. You need to just experience things. There's a strength in purity. Whenever you see through God's eyes, you see purity and you see things that this world is blind to. And there is a strength in purity. There is a strength in sexual purity. I'm going to tell you right now. There is a strength with integral purity. There is a strength with purity of mind. There is a strength in purity of conversation. When your conversations are pure, there is a, it is amazing how it takes you to places that you see God over and over and over and over again. Let me just talk, if you're in this room and you're somebody who says, I don't see God anywhere. It's like God just pulled the pin and threw it in the, on the earth, hand grenade went off, pulled his parachute. He's gone. It's like, I don't see God anywhere. Let me just stop and tell you you may not be going to pure places. Your radio may be dialed into places that take you where you shouldn't go. TV that takes you to places that are unpure. It may be, there may be things in your life that you've got to go back and realize. It's time for you to become more like a child and less like an adult. Purity. The innocent can see God everywhere. It's like he's right there. Can you not see him? He's, he's right there. He's right there. Isn't it amazing? Last week we talked about Nicodemus, who was a tax, thieving, dirty old rotten guy, climbed up a sycamore tree, Zacchaeus, okay? And Jesus turned to him and said, I'm coming to your house today. And all the religious leaders said, that is so wrong that you're with a sinner. And how is it that Jesus was able to see something so awesome that God was going to do in one man's life? Because he was innocent. Yeah. Blessed are the innocent, for they will see God. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. Blessed are the peacemakers. Time out. What? Even the Facebook warriors? <laughs> Even the Instagram snipers? <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God. Wow. Here's my point. Peacemakers. Peace is how others can tell who your daddy is. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. People could care less what church you go to. People could care less about what Bible translation you got. But they can recognize who your daddy is when all hell's breaking loose and you stand for peace. But your peace doesn't come from, okay, I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to get on Facebook today. That's earning salvation. Being in Christ Jesus means that peace comes out of you. You don't have to worry about being peaceful or being full of peace. If you took the time to focus on where do you stand. The waves can be crashing. The wind can be blowing. But if you've built your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, there's peace in this house. For those in this room that you've just gone through hell this year, we've got to go back to making the main thing the main thing. And peace is already in you. It's already there. Jesus goes on. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs." Is the kingdom of heaven. And this is where Jesus wraps up. And I hope this has been good for everybody. I hope this really takes maybe a theological thought of how you thought God was and how God is. This isn't. The ties right. It's not an earning thing. It's a being thing. It's being in the sweet spot. But now it it really gets down to the nuts and bolts. Jesus is saying that you're going to be persecuted. What does persecution mean? You could be whipped made fun of mocked, you could be lied about there are people who are going to make stuff up about you for no other reason than they don't like me which means jesus in you they don't like the fact that you have chosen jesus as your savior they don't like the fact that you are in the sweet spot of your life and when everybody is panicking you seem to be doing fine. It doesn't mean that you didn't lose stuff. It didn't mean that you're not mourning. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean that life isn't happening all about around you. But it doesn't look like it's affecting you and the Jesus in you is bugging the heck out of someone. I want to talk to everybody in the room that since you started following Jesus, life's got harder. I want to talk to everybody that you are being a leader and stepping out into this world and you are leading. But the lies about you and the untruth That keeps coming. And you think, I thought I was going to make a difference in this world. But there's more stupid people in this world that just mess things up. And Jesus reminds you that, hey, listen, they persecuted me and they persecuted the prophets. But your home is not this earth. You're not trying to build a platform of earthly things. When you're in me, you actually... Remember, living for Jesus could cost me my life, but my citizenship is heaven. That's right. An old pastor told me a long time ago, being they could curse you in this world, but they'll celebrate you in heaven. Yeah. My point is this, death in this world, it actually means life in God's world. Jesus wraps everything up and he says this, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward. Where? In heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets. Before you, it's your sweet spot. It's not an earning for faith, it's a stop and pause and realize that it's knowing as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's realizing where I stand, it's my faith in Jesus that causes anything that comes against me, any rough spell, any tough time, isn't me fixing it or rising to the challenge. It's actually just letting Jesus coming out of me. It's hard to raise boys, but the answer to every question they seem to have has been, guys, where are you standing? For a teenage kid that's 16 years old and he gets off the spot and gets over here and he's wondering why, why do people seem to be succeeding when we know their private life is a joke? I mean, you got people who say they love Jesus, but they're acting this way. And, and, and you grab them and you say, we can't change people, but we can put our faith in the Lord. And know that he directs our steps. I just want to talk to you guys. And I felt like today's message could hit a lot of us where we stand in this present day and age. And I want you to quit looking at it from an out there in. And I want you to start standing on who you are in Christ Jesus. And now being exactly what it is he's called you to be. One group I want to close and talk to. For all my friends that are in this room, that you just felt comfortable being at Cowboy Junction today, but you are still struggling with your faith. Okay? You could be watching right now on our online campus, and I'm just glad you're here. Someone could have invited you. And 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 let me just tell you: this is like a fishbowl. And there's two ways to look at today's message. Either we've accepted Christ and we stand and we look at all that Jesus preached on as what comes out of us, or from the outside trying to be peaceful, trying to get through a tough situation. And I want to turn to you and just say, okay, would you open your heart, not to a church or even a pastor, but would you right now open your heart to the realization that Jesus is going to come alive when you finally let him in to your life. Jesus is ready to show you. Jesus is ready to work through you. But you're going to have to come to the point of saying, I need you, I need you. And it is a big step in the right direction and you'll finally be in the sweet spot and you watch what he can do out of you.